so many of you today is a day of reflecting for you as, as a follower of Jesus that as we talk about this idea of salvation, I know that some of you are like, oh, got it, you know, I, I got that, got that a, a while back, I figured it out, I'm good, so I can check this one off the box. I am telling you, like, I'm more fired up about this message than I have been about many in a long time because the deeper dive that I've done this past week into what it truly means to be a follower of Jesus has just overwhelmed me to think about that grace and, and that mercy. Now, if you're not a follower of Jesus or maybe you're brand new, uh, thanks for being here. My name's Brad and I'm the lead pastor. And so today what we want for you and what we are praying for you is that you will experience what we've experienced and that is hope. Maybe some healing for your soul today. Maybe some peace of mind or, or that as you begin a journey with us and you kind of make this your home church, that you can begin to find the purpose that God has for you in your life. I'm super stoked because uh, right after this service, I'm going to be gathering with like 30 plus people and we're going to be talking about their purpose and we're going to be finishing up the discover assessment and what it really means to live your life on purpose. I'm so proud of these people for walking through these weeks and diving into what God has for them. If you have a Bible, let's, let's go to the book of Ephesians. Ephesians chapter 1 is where we're going to be today. Thank you, worship team. And as I said, we're in a series right now. Today we're going to talk about salvation. We're in a series called This We Believe. Now, today we're going to be talking about salvation. And what I really want to make clear here is, as we we're saying every week in this series, I'm not going to answer every question. Okay, there's just no way I can do that in a 30-minute window, and, and so that's not going to happen today. You're going to have a lot of unanswered questions. I'm going to say some things today that for some of you who have been following Jesus for a really long time, you're going to be like, hey, wait, what? Huh? And, and you're going to have some questions that are going to come up, and you're going to have to do some wrestling on your own. But we don't want you to do that by yourself. We want to help you with that. And so if at any time during the series you have questions, you can email us at info at corechurch.com, info at corechurch.com, and one of our staff members will contact you. Whatever your question is, no matter how long you've been following Jesus, we want to be able to help you with that. I, I think the hardest thing, the hardest thing to do in, in asking questions is, is when you've been following Jesus for a long time. If you're new to faith, you get the free pass. Everybody expects you to ask, ask questions and not know. But some of you have been following Jesus for a long time. I remember I, I was teaching Sunday school. I was on a uh, church leadership board. And I'd been following Jesus for, I don't know, over 15 years. And I started asking, why the cross? I don't get it. Like, why, why Jesus? Why the cross? Why blood? Why death? Doesn't make sense to me. I, I mean, I believe it. I accept it by faith. I just don't understand it. There was no way I was asking anyone in the church that question. That would have been like, he don't know the answer to that? Oh, my Lord, let's get him. But I'm just, the longer you follow Jesus, the harder it is to ask those questions. In case you're wondering, I, I have figured out the answer to that. So in case you're wondering, does he know? Does he know now? Yes, I'm good. And, and I'm hoping to convey some of those truths to you today. 
Every week we're looking at these different statements that we have. These are not statements that are unique to Core Church. These are Christian statements. So uh, if you're not a follower of Jesus, every statement we're making is a universal statement about the church, about the Christian faith. And so today we're looking at salvation. And here's our salvation statement right here that I'd like for all of us, uh, can we say this together? We believe in Jesus Christ, God's only son. He suffered and died on a cross and was raised to life. By his death, he made a full atonement for all sin. Whoever repents of their sin and believes will be saved. So Paul talks about this in his letter to the Ephesians. This was, by the way, really tough because when you're going to talk about salvation, it's pretty much the entire Bible. So it's kind of hard to narrow down what do we want to talk about this week. And so we're going to look at uh, specifically some things Paul said in his letter that he wrote to the church in in Ephesus, chapter 1. We'll start in verse 4. He says this, Even before he, being God, made the world, God loved us and chose us in Christ to be holy and without fault in his eyes. Now, God decided in advance to adopt us into his own family by bringing us to himself, and here's the key, bringing us to himself through Jesus Christ. This is what separates Christianity from every other religion that is out there, that we believe that we are brought to God through Jesus Christ. This is what he wanted to do, and it gave him great pleasure. So we praise God for the glorious grace he has poured out on us who belong to his dear son. He's so rich in kindness and grace that he purchased our freedom with the blood of his son and forgave our sins. He has showered his kindness on us along with all wisdom and understanding. Father, thank you for the the moment that we have here now. to talk about the cornerstone of our faith, salvation. Give us clarity, give us understanding, help us to be okay with the questions that we might have that are raised today. Speak to us, we pray, in Jesus' name, and the church said, Amen. amen. All right, you may be seated. How many of you, uh, as a child or as an adult, have been to a skating rink? Okay, skating rink. How many of you were skaters as kids, just like going to the skating rink? All right, you're my people. You are my people. It's, I love, when you go to the skating rink, it's just another world, is it not? I mean, it's just weird. Like you walk in and there's that, that smell. You know what I'm talking about? That, that wet cat smell. It's just so disturbing. And you walk over to that wall of shoes those skates with different numbers on them that you know every member in the community has had their feet in, and then you're going to put your feet in there? You ever put your feet in skates and they're still damp from the last skater? Oh! I mean, this is the equivalent, how crazy this is, this would be the equivalent to all of us right now trading shoes with the person next to you. That would be odd, we're not doing that. You might say, well, they won't fit me. Exactly. Skates never fit, never fit. And things have not changed in over 30 years. If you've been back as an adult, you're like, wow, you step into this time warp and what? Shag carpet on all of the walls, right? There's that disco globe hanging in the center. There's the DJ that's 
the same DJ that's been there for 30 years. You're like, Carl, what are you still doing here, dude? You need to get a life or something. And then, I mean, since nothing's changed, they got the dice game still. They got the hokey pokey. They're doing the exact same things that they have always done forever and ever. Same music they've always had. Anybody? Come on, you want to do it? Okay, go. That's just weird. Okay, all right. So, good job, half of you. Good job. But I mean, they, they still do the same songs. I, I just think it's hilarious. So when I was a kid, though, I loved going to the skating rink. Every Saturday night, you would find me skating the rink, okay? I mean, I remember as a kid thinking, this is like heaven on earth. This is the most amazing place ever. And then I remember coming back as an adult thinking, wow, I'm going to, don't touch anything. Keep, keep close. Stay close, kids. It's very dark in here and very scary. I remember in third grade, I have uh, this image burned into my brain, and, and, I, and I, I can still transport myself back to this moment in third grade. You know those moments you have in life, and they just sear into your memory? So they had all these different, you could do the speed skate, you could do the, you know, the backwards skate, could never do that one, uh, and, and then they had the couple skate. Remember the couple skate? You don't, if you weren't ever in the, in the skating rink, ladies on one side, boys on the other, and the whole idea was is that the boys had to skate all the way across, not the short way on the rink, the long way on the rink, all the way over, ask a girl if she wanted to skate. I heard this week, now they just text each other. That's just lame. So I remember, I... I had a crush on the hottest girl in third grade. I don't remember her name, but I remember she had blonde hair and blue eyes, and she always wore a cute little dress, and I was like, mm, someday, girl, you're going to be mine. And I remember being at the skating rink and over on the guy's side and, and just gripped with fear to do the skate to have a chance to skate with her. And so every week I, I wouldn't do it. And my buddies would just get on to me. They're like, Brad, you, you, got, you got to take a chance, Brad. You got to take a risk. You got to go over. You got to ask her. And so one Saturday, I would still remember it to this day. I was holding on to the railing and my knuckles were just as blue as the color of the railing. Okay. And my buddies are like, you got to do this. You got to do it. And I'm like, all right, I'm doing this. And I pushed off from the railing, and I began to skate across the, the roller rink. And I, all I was thinking during that whole time was, don't fall. Don't fall, because that would just be humiliating. Now, I remember skating across and doing this because my palms were getting sweaty. Now, there's not, ladies, right? There's nothing grosser than the guy holding your hand that had sweaty palms. And so I'm wiping my palms. And as I get closer and closer to her, my heart is beating out of my chest. And I remember skating up to her. You want to skate with me? And I'll never forget as she looked with me, those beautiful blue eyes, and she said, no. <laughs> okay, awkward moment. And I remember to this day turning and skating and looking back at my buddies on the other side of the skating rink, laughing hysterically at me. And there were three exits. 
I took the first one, I went down and sat on that shag carpet bench, and I watched her skate with the coolest kid in the third grade. I remember his name, Thanos. That was his name. Yeah, just an evil person. And and so... (laughs) There's nothing worse than putting yourself out there only to be rejected. I, I really believe this is one of the main reasons people don't put their trust and their faith in Jesus because they fear rejection. Well, if, if I take a chance, if I take a risk, if I, I mean, will he, will, he, will he really forgive my sin? I mean, come on. Will he really forgive me? Have I, have I maybe I've just done too much in my life. I mean, because of what I've done, I'm, I'm not, I mean, God's angry with me. I get to go sit on the shag carpet bench while everybody else gets to do the skate with God because they've, they've done things right. I want to give you some good news today. You do not have to make the first move because God already has. That's what the cross is all about. God made the first move. If you're taking notes, I would like for you to write this down. I'm accepted and not rejected because of the cross. I'm accepted and I am not rejected because of the cross. Now, I know as I say that, that doesn't solve it for you. For many of you, you're like, still don't get it. For some of you who aren't followers of Jesus, but some of you who even are followers of Jesus, you're still wondering Have I done enough? In fact, one of the reasons that you're actually sitting in church today, the one reason you're sitting here is because you're thinking, maybe this will help me a little bit for God to accept me. And if I do this enough and do enough things that he wants, he will finally accept me. But you are accepted and not rejected simply because of the cross. And that's what I want us to look at for a few minutes here with the Apostle Paul. Go back to Ephesians chapter 1. Because I think Paul shows us here how the cross really reveals the true nature of God. And what I hope we accomplish in the next few minutes is that you can have an assurance of your salvation in Christ. Ephesians 1.4, let's go back to that. It says this, even before he made the world, God loved us. Turn to somebody and tell them, you are loved by God. You are loved by God. If they're a family member or a friend, turn back and say, oh, and by me, and by me. If they are not a family member, don't do that. That will just be awkward, okay? God loved us, and he chose us in Christ to be holy and without fault in his eyes. God did what? Say these three words with me. He what? He decided in advance. Like he had decided in advance to adopt us into his own family by bringing us to himself through Jesus Christ. This is what he wanted to do. And it gave him great pleasure. I'm accepted. And I'm not rejected because the cross is about love. If you're taking notes, write that down. The cross is about love. The cross is about love. See, how you think about 
somebody determines how you approach them. How you think about someone determines how you approach them. You you ever gotten a, a text from somebody and you're like, what do they mean by that? And you're not sure what they mean by that. And sometimes you'll fire back a response and they didn't mean that. Because what you think about that person and what they think about you, that, that's going to determine your response. How you think about your boss determines how you approach your boss. What, what you think about how you think your kids feel is, determines how you're going to approach your children. How, how you think your, your friends feel about you, how you think your spouse feels about you determines how you are going to approach them. A few weeks ago, Laura and I were going out on a date, and one of my words for 2019 is listen. Listen, Brad. Listen more than you talk. Listen. And so, because I'm just, I, I'm not a very good listener, and that's not a place to say amen, and I appreciate you not doing that, okay? <laughs> Some of you are like, yeah, you're new. Just wait. He never listens to you. <laughs> I'm trying. I really am trying. And so I, I've determined that I'm going to try to be a good listener. So we were going out on a date, and we get in the car, and I'm like, Brad, listen, Brad, listen, Brad, listen, Brad, listen, Brad, listen, listen, Brad. So I thought, I'm not going to say anything, and I'm just going to wait, and I'm going to let her talk, and then, and then whatever she talks about, I'm going to be interested in, no matter what it is, okay? Because I'm very interested in everything my wife talks about. So... <laughs> So we're, we're driving, and we're on Elm and Broken Arrow, and we're driving, and she's not saying anything. And I'm like, Brad, don't say anything. Just wait. And, and so then we get onto the Creek Turnpike, and we're headed to the restaurant, and we're riding on the Creek Turnpike. We're swerving onto Highway 169. She's still not said anything. And I'm like, Brad, don't say anything. Just wait. Just wait. Let her talk, and then respond to how she talks. And we get onto Highway 169, and she turns to me, and she says, what's wrong with you? <laughs> and I didn't want to let the cat out of the bag, and I'm like, Nothing. Nothing, I'm, I'm good, why? She goes, no, 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 something is very wrong. And I'm like, no, no, like nothing's wrong. She said, we've been in this car, and you haven't said anything. What is going on? And then I thought, oh, I better say something. So I said, okay, my word for 2019 is listen, and I've really been trying to do a better job of listening, so I was trying to listen to you. And I swear to you, she says, and this is an exact quote, I'm the listener in this relationship, knock it off. <laughs> She goes, it's worked really well for over 30 years. Let's not change now. (laughs) See, how you think someone feels about you affects how you approach that person. How you think God feels about you affects how you approach God. Thanks to some really bad YouTube videos, we think that God is angry. We think that God is wrath. We think that God can't wait for fire and hell and pour out damnation on your soul. Here in a couple weeks, by the way, we're going to be talking about judgment and hellfire and damnation and is there a hell and what is heaven and who goes to heaven, who goes to hell, all that stuff. We're going to to wrestle with that here in in a couple of weeks. But for some of you, that's what you've seen and that's your, your vision. Those are some of the Christians that you've been around, that you've seen on TV, that God is nothing but wrath and vengeance and anger and he's going to put you in eternal timeout and he can't wait to do it. Now, let me pause And let me say this, and I need everybody to pay attention because this is really, really critical. Is God angry? Yes. Is there such a thing as the wrath of God that will be poured out? Yes. 
But that wrath and that anger is intended for the devil and evildoers. It's intended for the devil and evildoers. Now you say, time out, I'm still, not, I'm still not getting this. But you think about this. Imagine with me, if you would, a child that is being harmed. If you knew a child was being harmed, would that make you angry? Yeah. What if that child was your child? Would you say that maybe that anger just might quite possibly elevate to the level of something you might call wrath? They're going to feel my wrath? Yeah. Imagine if you saw a parent or someone who was just indifferent to it. Yeah, whatever happened to them, happened to them. And they act like they didn't care. We would say, that is not love. We would see if a parent was angry because evil was being done to that child or wrong was being committed against that child, we'd say, that is a display of love. Like, my anger displays my love for my child. God's anger, it burns against the devil who has trapped people in sin, has given them shame, guilt, condemnation, held them captive where they can't get free. God's anger burns against them. God's anger does burn against us when we harm one another. He's not happy about that at all. But also, God loves us. God decided, Paul says, in advance to love you. Like, this is weird. Before the world ever began, God loved you and he loved me. God started from a position of love. Like, he's, he's not waiting on you to earn it. He's not waiting on you to do something to, to uh, earn your place in line, get your spot, and, and suddenly then you will be reconciled. So many people, though, are trying to do this. If I can just stop doing fill in the blank, then God will love me. Then God will accept me. No, 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 no. He accepts you and loves you before that. If I, if I can, if I, not that I need to stop doing things, but I need to start doing things. If I can just come to church more, if I just start reading my Bible more, if I just start praying more. No, 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 no. You can't earn God's favor or love that way. He loved you way in advance. God is a father, not a coach. This is important because a coach makes you earn your way onto the team. You want to get playing time? You better get good. You better work hard. You better show me some work ethic. And if you're not quite good enough, you're going to ride the bench. And if you're not quite good enough at all, you might not even make the team and only the chosen few. That's not our God. Our God is a loving father. He accepts you. He loves you even before the world began. I like what Paul says here is that God loves us so much that he wants to adopt us into his family. He wants you in his family. Like I'm accepted and not rejected because the cross is about family. I'd like for you to write that down. The cross is about family. This is the one that gripped me this week. I had not really thought of the cross in terms of being adopted into God's family. 
Adoption and foster care is so near and dear to our church. Many of you are fostering children or you've been adopted or you are adopting children. And this fall, we will have our Adoption and Foster Care Sunday where we will honor parents and those who stepped out and made that decision. And Laura and I have done that. And if you've been coming here for any amount of time, you know that we have four children, two biological, two adopted. And and I, I used to love to joke with my biological children all the time when they'd get on my nerves or something. I'd go, hey, look, I, I didn't get to pick you. I'm stuck with you. I didn't have any choice with you. But these two beautiful children right here, I got to pick them. I got to choose them, okay? And here's the thing. I, I still remember when I got the phone call, and it's been 20 years. And I remember getting this phone call, and on the other end of the line was DHS, and they said, hey, would you be willing to adopt these two children? And without hesitation, my answer was, yes, 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 I want them in my family. This is what Paul is talking about here when he's talking about the, 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 the idea of spiritual adoption. God wants you in his family. See, you and I, we are, we are all spiritual orphans. Because of sin, we are separated from God. That's not his plan. That's the devil's plan. That's what he wants for you, but that's not God's plan. But when you are separated from God, you are without hope. But here's the good news. God sought you out. He came for you. He had a choice. And he chose you. That's the beauty of the cross. He didn't have to do it. But he did it. And Paul says this. He not only did it, but this is what he wanted to do. Paul says it gave him great pleasure. Like, he didn't do it reluctantly. Have you ever done something reluctantly, like you didn't want to do it? You're like, ah. A couple weeks ago, a good friend of mine texted me, said, hey, Brad, I just bought some sod. Could I borrow your truck? (laughs) Yeah, no. Anybody who knows me, my truck is not for hauling, okay? Okay. That's not what it's for. It's just because it's a truck, it's cool, and I'm from Oklahoma, but you ain't using my truck to haul anything. So because it's a church, I'll just be real honest with you, I did not text him back. I ghosted him. I didn't know what to say. I was like, if I say no, he's going to be like, whoa, woo, So I was just like, I'm just going to not respond to that. Listen, when God looked at his creation, when he looked at you and when he looked at me and he looked upon this earth, lost it in sin, its shame, its brokenness, its evil doing, its, its wretchedness, God did not turn to his son and go, yeah, I don't think so. God did not ghost us. He holy ghosted us. Oh, come on. I've been saving that all week. That's so good. All right. That was so good. That was even better than I thought it was going to be. <laughs> God did not ghost you. I mean, seriously, he didn't, he didn't just look at you and go, yeah, not this one. Yeah, my son, no, not my son for that one. Oh, that one, yes. That one, no. Yes, no, no, yes, yes. Maybe, I'm not sure. 
No, it says this, look, look, John, the apostle who walked with Jesus, he said this in his gospel, chapter 1, verse 12. But to all who believe in him and accept him, he gave the right to become what? Children of God. God. Turn to somebody and tell them you are one of God's kids. You are one of God's kids. Like you're a son and daughter of God because of what the son has done for you. Because of the cross, you can be adopted into the family of God. He, listen, you can find a place where he knows you. He knows you by name. The Father cares about you. Not only that, but he provides for you. He protects you. He's a loving Father with the family that he pursues you through the cross. So then Paul goes on and he tells us how we can become a part of God's family. Go back to Ephesians chapter 1 and verse 6. He says this. So we praise God for the what? Two words here. What? Glorious grace. Not just grace, but what? glorious grace that he's poured out on us who belong to his dear son. He is so rich in kindness and what? There it is again, that he purchased our freedom with the blood of his son and forgave our sins. I'm accepted and not rejected because the cross is about grace. Write that down. The cross is about grace. It's so important for us to know that God did not pour out his wrath on his son and on the cross. No, 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 no. God held back his wrath on the cross. Like the next time you see that image of Jesus and he's hanging on that cross, let that just burn into your mind to never forget. And may that be the image you see is God Almighty through Jesus is holding back the wrath so that he can pour out his grace on all humanity. That is the best image of the cross I can give you. Grace poured out. Grace is mentioned in the New Testament over 170 times. What is grace? Grace is unearned favor. You can't earn it. It's a free gift that is bestowed upon somebody. Have you ever had somebody give you something that was way over the top? I mean like way over the top. Like you were embarrassed to accept it. And when they gave it to you, you're like, a thank you card isn't just going to get it done. Like you just, you don't even know what to say because the generosity was so over the top. A few years ago when we were beginning this journey with Core Church, uh, we were upside down financially. The church was at that point $4 million in debt. And uh, one Sunday I was sitting right here or standing right here on the, on the front row. And I remember standing right over here and the worship team was singing, and, and I wasn't, because I was so overwhelmed by, by the, the burden of our finances. We had, we had run out of money. A few people knew it. We were trying to figure out what to do, and we finally got to zero. And I stood there on that Sunday, and Monday, there was, there was, there was no money, and I remember talking with God during that music set. Thing. God, you told me to do this. You said, God, you said this, and, and, and we're doing what you said. And I, I believe that you're going to somehow get us through this. But I, I, this is, 
I, I was so overwhelmed, and I had to get up in just a few bars and preach, and I'm like, I, I don't even have the strength to preach right now, God. In that moment, somebody uh, tapped me on the shoulder, and I, I turned, and, and they handed me uh, what looked like a check, and, and I, I opened up the check, and, and it was dark in the auditorium, and the only thing you could see were the stage lights, and I was kind of trying to look at it, and I looked down, and it was a, it was a check for $1,000. And I just thought, man, thank God, thank you. Like, this is a seed. Thank you for the seed. Thank you. I believe that this is a seed that's going to show forth. And, and I was like, wait, wait, wait. Oh, I'm sorry. Wait a second. Let me look again at that. And I'm looking at the check. I'm like, this is not a check for $1,000. Well, this is a check for $10,000. This is not a check for $10,000. This is a check for $100,000. I didn't say it like that on that Sunday. But inside, I was like, It was a check for $100,000. So how do you go to the Hallmark store and pick out that thank you card? You don't. It's too overwhelming. That's the grace of our God. That's the glorious grace that Paul is talking about here. He, Jesus purchased our freedom with his blood. Like, there's no way I could earn it. I was lost in my sin. I was trapped. I had no ability to get free. There was nothing I could do. And God sent Christ to take my place. Jesus making a full and complete atonement for all of my garbage. I can't repay that. Like as a follower of Jesus, if you're a follower of Jesus, just stop for when was the last time you wept over your salvation? Have you ever wept over your salvation? I believe that when we stop and we think about how wretched I was, how broken I was, and that you did that for me, I have no, I, I, I don't even know how to, how, how to repay that. Here's the good news. You don't have to. See, it doesn't work like our world. Our world is, oh, you got to earn it back. Oh, you did something? You got to earn it back. I mean, come on, we all do that. We do it with our kids, we do it with our spouse, we do it at the workplace, we do it with friends, blah, 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 blah. We always say, okay, they wounded me, they hurt me, and once they do that, 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 then they'll be earned back into my good graces. But with God, he's like, no. It messes with our head that he's full of grace. The best explanation I, I found about the cross was in Hebrews 2.14. And I just look at what it says right here. Because God's children are human beings, made of flesh and blood, the Son also became flesh and blood. So God came as a man, but also as God, God in human flesh. For only as a human being could he die. See, God couldn't die if he didn't leave heaven and take on flesh. So he died, and only by dying could he break the power of the devil who had the power of death only in this way could he set free all who have lived their lives 
as slaves to the fear of dying. Jesus did what you and I were completely incapable of doing. He conquered sin and death. So last time I checked, nobody has ever conquered sin. I haven't sinned since 1997. Woo, praise Jesus. Hallelujah. Really? Because you just sinned because you lied. Okay? We all sin. We all mess up. We can't conquer it. Only Jesus lived the perfect life. Only Jesus died. Okay? Jesus is the only one who conquered death. I've done a lot of funerals. Never one time has somebody popped up out of the coffin and went, everybody, I'm back. No, only Jesus has done that. You and I trapped in our sin, held in bondage by the devil. He has the power over you when you're apart from God. Let me say that again. If you are apart from God, he holds power over you. That's why he heaps shame on you, guilt on you, condemnation on you, to keep you trapped and keep you down in your sin. But praise be to God that through Jesus, his grace conquered my guilt. Conquered my guilt. Triumphed over my guilt, triumphed over death. He did what I could not do. I'm accepted and not rejected because of the cross. I want us to say that salvation statement again because this is what we believe. Let's say this together. We believe in Jesus Christ, God's only son. He suffered and died on a cross and was raised to life. By his death, he made a full atonement for all sin. Whoever repents of their sin and believes will be saved. Whoever repents of their sin and believes will be saved. How do I know and have an assurance of my salvation? By simply repenting. God, will you forgive me? And believing in his son, Jesus Maybe today you're not a follower of Jesus, or maybe you've been away from God for a very, very long time, or maybe there's a sin that is the enemy has got you, you trapped, and he's holding this power over you today. What I hope you see through the cross is, number one, that you are loved, even in your mess. He's not waiting to love you. Even if today you say no to Jesus, he still loves you because he's a loving father. Not only that, but he wants you in his family. He doesn't want you outside of his family. He wants you to be a part of the family. Some of you have, have come and you're not a follower of Jesus and you feel like an outsider sitting here looking in on a family gathering. He doesn't want you on the outside. He wants you inside. He wants you to take a step into the family. Some of you have made a decision to follow Jesus, but because of your past, you've never gotten free from it. You come in, you pretend, you act like everything's great, everything's awesome, and you're sitting here and you still don't feel like a member of the family. And God says, I've already conquered that through the cross. I want you in my family. You have a family. And he says, grace is free for you. You, you, 
you can't earn it. You can come back next week and the week after that, and you can check the box, and I'm going to try to read my Bible, and man, that tithing thing, Daniel talked about tithing, I really got to start giving more, because if I give more, then stop, you're wearing yourself out. All those things are good, but all those things are a response to the love, is a response to grace. Like, I've received grace, and so, man, of course, I'm wanting to know more of who he is, and I'm wanting to respond in, in greater ways. And, and I, I would just encourage you, this is what I would say to, for you, and let me say this, and then we're going to pray together. For some of you, you struggle getting up on Sundays and coming to church. This is hard for you. You struggle reading your Bible. Ah, I want to read my Bible. I just won't do it. I'm going to do it tomorrow. You struggle praying, you struggle getting into a core group, you, you struggle giving. The, the, it's, it's, it's not a, the bucket that comes by is a bucket of, you know, just uh, shame and embarrassment and a reminder that you're not giving and you're not giving enough. And I would submit to you that maybe could it be because you've never really fully embraced the grace that God has for you. And you're still trying too hard to earn it. Because I think once you understand and you embrace that grace of Christ and you understand everything that he's done and how overwhelming it is, every response out of that will be easy for you. Man, being in the house of God, it's not hard for me. I just want to come and worship with people that love Jesus and I want to come and I want to just I thank him. I, I, that's, I'm not here because I'm the pastor. Because I have to be. Because I get to. I get to gather with people and we start singing these songs and like, you all see me come out when we do our worship set and I'm all amped up and fired up and you're looking at me like, well, he's awfully excited today. It's because I just, I'm so overwhelmed by, man, why would you do this for me? This is so, uh, thank you. <laughs> I don't think that's good enough, but thank you. Man, when I, when I give and I give online, it, it is easy, easy for me to do. If I told you what we give, you'd be like, dang, oh, wow, okay. But it's easy. And, and it just means that, yeah, we don't get to do this or do that, and we give, but it's easy because I'm like, I want others to know. I want others to know. Let me give some more so others can know, so others can know, so others can know. I sit down every morning with my Bible, and I was just telling Laura this the other morning. Just yesterday morning, we were talking about this, and I was like, man, I don't understand why people look at this and they think, ah, oh, it's just rules and do's and don'ts, and, ah. and I'm like, I just remember sometimes I just look at it, and I'm just like, wow. I don't see guilt and condemnation when I look at these pages because I'm free from that. Because all I see is the grace and the mercy of Jesus.